But we talked about contentment here from Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to go down and um, let's see, where do I want to start? Uh, verse number 10, and then we'll go back and probably uh, go to verse number 13, and then we'll go back and cover some other stuff. But it says in verse number 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now that at your last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. And the word want in the scripture is talking about lack. That means you're saying, I'm not saying I was lacking, all right? It says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. What a great passage that is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just bless this time, Lord. Uh, I need your help to bring forth this message. I pray that it would be effective in, in just communicating some truths that would help us as a church family just to be content in our lives. Lord, we know that's really the foundation of victory on our daily basis. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to see that. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, I did key number one. And key number one was simply that discontentment must be identified. Uh, we're, we're very good at not identifying our problems. Amen? We kind of just pass over them. Well, you know, we've had a rough day. Not realizing that there is some underlying issue that's in our life. And uh, some of those things we talked about, were th we did three signs of discontentment. We looked at contention with people. That means if we're constantly at odds with others. We have care about uh, concerning circumstances. That means worry, anxiety is a regular part of our life. And then also covetousness concerning possessions. And so we want things in our life and we sacrifice to get things instead of just trusting the Lord to provide for us. And so those three things ought not be in your life, but they are many times a sign that you are not content in your daily life. And then we had three signs of contentment. The one is joy, the one is moderation, and the other one was peace in our Hopefully those three things we can see in our lives, joy, no matter what's happening in our life, you have joy. If you don't have joy, it's nobody else's fault but your own. Something is off kilter in your life, and you need to take care of that. You need to find what is stealing your joy, because there are joy stealers in the world. Amen? And then moderation, that means just living a life where you're balanced, where you just simply are not a roller coaster Christian. You're not up and down and up and down, and you're emotional. You don't know what to do. in our heart of course we get that in verse number seven it says in the peace of god which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus so peace is a guardian of your heart it's a guardian of your heart and that's so vital for us today jesus says my peace i give unto you you don't have to buy it it's not something you can manipulate it's something that is a gift from jesus christ if you're willing to take all those 
problems and just dump them at the feet of the cross. If you can dump them there, he says, then I will give you my peace, and that peace will guard your heart. And that's a sign that you're content, because contentment really means to be at peace in your situations of life, and you're not in anxiety and so forth. I can have a definition here. I forgot to give that to you. Uh, but contentment is self-complacent or to be sufficient where you're at. It's sufficient for oneself, strong enough or processing enough to need no aid or support, independent of external circumstances, contented with one's lot, with one's means, though the slenderest. Amen? Be content no matter, there's nothing outside of myself that is going to bring me happiness. I don't need this, that, or the other to change my situation for me to be content. Contentment is something you find in your heart in a relationship with him. Amen? And that's what the Bible says in Hebrews. It says, be content with those things that ye have, for I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen? He is the object of our contentment. He is why we're content, because we have the Lord. Amen? I may not have a good vehicle in my life. It's breaking down all the time, but I have the Lord. <laughs> you know, my house, maybe my furnace doesn't work very well, but I have the Lord. Amen? Maybe my job doesn't pay the best, but guess what? I have the Lord, and if I have him, guess what? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I remember Harry Ironside, him and his uh, staff were praying one day, and they had a, a college, and the college was out of money. And so they began praying. Is my mic not working? Is it off? It just... Is it working now? <laughs> oh, something is not right here. But there we go. It wasn't plugged in. I probably did that. <laughs> Anyways, Harry Ironside and his staff were in the office and they were praying because their college had no money. They, they couldn't afford to buy anything, no food for the students, anything like that. <clears throat> so they began to pray. And the president of the college began to pray and say, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You can take care of us. And just began calling out to God. You know, after their prayer time, the phone rang. He picked up the phone. You know who it was? A rancher. And the rancher said, you know, I had these head of cattle and I sold them. And the Lord has impressed it upon my heart to give you the proceeds from that sale. The cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> they just prayed for it. Amen. I'll tell you something, you don't need better job. I mean, it's nothing wrong with getting a better job. There's nothing wrong with, with working your life so you can, you can have a comfortable uh, lifestyle and so forth. But folks, if that's where your faith is, you're going to be an immoderate Christian. Amen? Sometimes those jobs also say, well, they're not paying as well, or they got to give a cut and pay. What am I going to do now? It's okay. Because I will never leave the nor forsake thee. The next verse says that you may boldly say that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. Wow, what a powerful verse that is. That, my friend, is a definition of contentment. Amen. Just being happy with the Lord, no matter what's going on around you, trusting that he's going to supply, he's going to take care of you, no matter what it is. Amen. There's always a way. 
There's always a way to be what God wants you to be and to live for him. Amen. Always a way. And so discontentment or, 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 or identifying whether you're content or not. That's so important that we need to do. That's key number one. Uh, key number two is contentment must be learned. You got to learn it. It's not going to happen automatically. If you're waiting around to be hit by the contentment bug, it ain't going to happen. You've got to give yourself to the instruction of the word of God so you can learn how to be content. And he says that there in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. That means understood, cause to understand. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. In verse number 12, it says, I know both how. Anybody know how to drive a tractor? Brother Boys does. You know how he learned to do that? He learned it. <laughs> you know, he learned it. Anybody drive a car? I have my kids sometimes. You know what they do? Especially when they're young, they see you driving the car, look so easy. Oh, I could do that. Wow, okay. They get in there just in reverse, you know, scares you to death. I remember I just thought that my son knew how to drive. And so we went and got his driver's license. <clears throat> we did the test. He comes out of the building. Okay, he said, son, get in the driver's seat. And we're parked in this parking lot. And, and to get out, you actually had to turn this way to kind of back around something. And I thought, oh, he knows how to drive. He gets in there. <laughs> I just, whoa, stop, 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 stop. Because he was backing up and he was going to hit that car beside us. I said, haven't I taught you how to drive? <laughs> you know what? They're not just going to drive. They actually have to learn how to drive. You actually got to sit them down and say, okay, now you do this. So for the next you know, couple of months, I'm going along for rides and I'm saying, oh, stop there. Oh, you turned too soon. That was a, you cut that corner. Car's coming. Ah! You, know, you know how it is. You have to learn that stuff. Contentment is the same way. You need to learn. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. No knowledge. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So I know, I perceive, I understand, and I'm instructed. That's a mystery that's revealed by teaching. I'm instructed how to have little, how to be full, and how to be empty. I'm instructed. God will reveal how you can be content in your life as you focus on Jesus Christ. If you acknowledge key number one and submit to that, that, okay, I'm not content, you have to move on from there and understand you need, to be, you, need to you need to learn this stuff. You need to learn it. Contentment will not be found in your circumstances. They won't be found there. It says I've instructed both to be full, to be hungry, both to abound, to suffer need. To abound means to have abundance, excess, enough, and to spare. Wow, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> you know, to have excess all the time. Extra money in the bank account. All of that stuff ready for us anytime. Never have to worry about checking out the balance of our bank account when we go to the store. You know, you can just put your card in. It's going to be okay. 
You know what? You've got to learn how to be content in that. We say, oh, I'd automatically be content if I had that. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Many times we don't know how. We don't know how to have much. And that's our problem. And the reason why we don't know how to have much is, it, is in our hearts we're not content yet. And so we, when we, we gorge on things. And so he says, I know both to be full. I know how to be full. That means to gorge, to feed, to fill, to satisfy. You know, sometimes when we have much, we do too much. When we have much, we think because we have much, we're supposed to do much with that all the time. Or many times it's like when we have much, that's when we get the extra loan. That's when we get the toys. That's when we get the 4 by 4 truck. Not that I'm against 4 by 4 trucks. They're good. You know, but that's when we do that. But then we don't understand down the road, all of a sudden, you have little. You know, I always tell people when they get married and you're young, don't, don't base your mortgages on two incomes. Base it on your husband's job. And, well, then I can't buy that big house. <clears throat> don't buy the big house. You get the little house. <laughs> you're young. You've got a whole life ahead of you here. Start with the little house. Don't worry about the big. See, because you could be, oh, look at our two, look at our two incomes together. We could afford. <laughs> learn, learn. Because you know what? You're going to end up being discontent when you find that somehow, oh, I'll come, here comes little Johnny, little Susie. Oh, I got to go on, uh, you know, on uh, mat leave and so and so. And my paycheck's cut in half. And oh, now we got to. Make it work, and we get frustrated, we get angry at each other. We're, why did we do this? <clears throat> you would have been way better off having a small little house, bringing up little Johnny, and having a little extra as you go along. So you need to learn. You can't just operate by how you're full you are or how empty you are. <laughs> you have to learn how to be full. <laughs> because the time's coming where you're going to be empty. <laughs> you know, you know that. And so we pre-plan. We make better decisions about those things. And so God gives us much to be used for his glory and to give. You know that a part of our budget should be what we give. We should always have something to give. Uh, part of your budget should be what you give to the Lord. You know, a lot of people make their budget and then they think, well, you know, if I don't have enough, then I won't give to the God. I mean, that's not an option. I mean, it's already God's. 10% of what you have, God owns it already. So basically, I just need to give back to God the 10% that is his. And then after that, I can give him <clears throat> from my heart, out of a love for him, what I'd like to give on top of that. That's why there's tithes and offerings. Here I'm talking about tithes again, two weeks in a row. No, no rotten tomatoes yet, amen? But really, it has a lot to do with contentment. A discontent person does not tithe. They won't give. Because it's always based on whether I'm full or I'm empty. But Paul says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am, they're with to be content. Well, you understand, I got less. Well, of course, then your tithe will be less. 10% <laughs> of less is, is less than 10% of more. Amen? That's just the way God made it and made it all balanced. Does that make sense to you? I confuse some people. They're looking at me. <laughs> I'm trying to... <laughs> you know. 
you know. Too many Christians that have much are focused on making more money, and then while they're then while they're doing that, they'll begin to compromise truth and associate with people they ought not associate with. Because I'm making more. Because it, it almost brings me to a different category of lifestyle. You know, the poor people, that's who you need to hang with. <laughs> Those that don't have anything. Uh, many times the Lord does not give more to people because he knows they will, what, what they will do with it when they get it. And that's why many times we, why aren't you blessing me, God? He says, I bless you if you're blessable. You know, and many times he wants us, he doesn't mind us having a nice vehicle or a nice home to live in or, you know, nice things in our home and so forth. But if we're not keeping him at the, at the forefront of everything we do, why would he that owns a cow on a thousand hills give you another cow? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why would he do that? What would that help? He's saying, how would this glorify me? That's why many times the Bible says you, 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 sometimes you ask him and you have not because it says he, or I'm not getting it right now. I've I've quoted it so many times. It says, brother boys, you probably know it. You have not be as you ask not that you may consume it upon your lusts. He says, you know what? I'm not giving it to you because it's just basically a lust in your life. But aren't you supposed to give me what I pray for? (laughs) Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will give it to you. Name it and claim it. No, sir. It's not name and claim it. It says what you ask in my name. What does my name mean? That's what we should figure out. What is, what is, what's in a name? Well, number one, what's in a name is authority. Stop in the name of the law. Not only that, but what's in a name is your character. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And so you've got two things that are involved in your prayer. The authority of God. It's like when your boss tells you to go to the store and buy a paintbrush and then you go to the ice cream shop and have an ice cream. You've got no authority to go eat the ice cream, especially using the boss's money. <laughs> Amen. You've got authority to go to the store and pick up the paintbrush, and that, you've got complete authority to do that, and you'll be guaranteed you'll get the paintbrush when you go there because you'll bring it back, and the boss knows that, and that's why he gave you the authority to do it. So authority is important. But then also character. What are you going to do with that money? Consume it on your lusts. Or is it based upon building a stronger family? Knowing what God wants me to do for my children? <laughs> There's so many things involved, and so it's not just name it and claim it. I think we've got to think about that a little bit more. Learn. <laughs> Learn. That's why the disciples, when they went to Jesus, to teach us to pray. Well, what do you do? Just help me. <laughs> That's praying, you know. Oh, no, there's a lot of things. He says, my father, or thy, my father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means something. I'm teaching you here. What does that mean that, you know, my father, my God of heaven, creator of the world, <laughs> you know? Sure he is. But you know what? Just creators of the world don't give, but fathers do. 
who, when they ask their father, will not give them, right? It says there. Father, father. There's a lot to that word. And when you approach God as your father, that's a different thing. It also means that you have to be born again for him to be your father. Amen? Anyways, it says here, verse 17, it says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. There was a, <clears throat> an offering that was made to the Apostle Paul that when they gave it, it became a sacrifice. Not everything we give becomes a sacrifice. There's all kinds of causes. Tim Hortons, you go through Tim Hortons and you send a kid to camp, <laughs> you do it because you feel guilty, <laughs> you know? But the Lord's not saying, oh, that's good. That's Tim Hortons camp, you understand? I, I don't, I'd rather give my money to church, by the way, than that, you know? And so, but when you give it with the intent that fruit may abound and that the Lord is glorified, it, it's like Jesus when he gave himself on the cross. And the Lord, like when, when Noah, when he came off the ark and he, he made that first sacrifice after all that destruction and that odor went up and the Lord just, oh, you know what it reminded him of? His son. You know what he says? I'm never going to destroy them by water ever again. Because the imagination of every man's heart is evil from their youth. That's what he said before the flood. What did he say after the flood? Same thing he said before the flood. He said, destroying the world with a flood didn't change the heart of man. But you know what is a sweet-smelling savor to me? My son. That was a lesson learned from the flood. That was the first thing we learned when we walked out that door on that new ground, <laughs> is that the Lord says, this ain't about you, Noah. You're a sinner. It's about that, it's about my son that's going to die for you. Amen. That's what's going to make the difference. So I'll put a bow in the cloud. And that bow in the cloud is going to remind you of this covenant I'm making with you. And that covenant was sealed with a sacrifice. So don't be scared to use the rainbow <laughs> as a sign, a covenant of God's grace and mercy towards mankind. It's not a symbol of pride. It's a symbol of humility is what it is. I need to learn contentment, not only for when I have much, but when I have little. And he says, I've learned in whatsoever state. So sometimes we have little. In Philippians 4.16, he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. That means I had necessary needs and you were constantly giving, you know. So there's times he had little and he had necessary things that he needed and people would just, there you go, there you go. Can you imagine being in that kind of state? You're not working for your money, you're in a prison, you're wherever, you're, you're a missionary and you can't just take, uh, you know, a week to go make some money and you've got to depend upon someone else to supply your necessary needs. It's not, you know, that he could go out on vacation here. 
It's so he could eat every day, right? And yet the Apostle Paul kept on going. Be content. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2, it talks about this church at Corinth. How that great trial of affliction, the abundance, or talking about the church at Philippi, this church at Philippi that we're going through here in the book of Philippians, and he's telling the Corinthian church this. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Amen? He said they didn't let their little keep them from doing much. That's what he's saying there. See, many times we let our little keep us from doing much. And God's saying, it's not your little that's keeping you from doing much. It's your little faith that's keeping you from doing much. That's what he's saying. Earlier on in that passage, it talks about how they gave this offering. He says, and it was more than we hoped. For they first gave their own selves unto the Lord. And then the offering unto us. See, before you can truly give an offering unto the Lord or for God's glory, you have to give yourself to the Lord. That's what it's all about. And before you can be content, you have to first give yourself to the Lord. And if you're not going to do that, it's always going to be based on whether I have much or little. Much or little. I'm happy when I get the check in the mail. I'm sad when I get the bill in the mail. (laughs) Amen. And our life is immoderate. No joy, no peace. We're anxious. Anxiety kicks in. The Lord says, why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust me? Key number three is just simply trusting the Lord. Verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I always thought that wording was very unique there. I can do all things through Christ. Now that makes sense to me, but that next word, which. Now I thought, if, you, if I'm going to, it says, I can do all things through Christ. I would say all things through Christ, who strengtheneth me? Talking about how that Jesus is strengthening me. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Bring it into context what happened in the last couple of verses. When I have little. When I have much. So basically, as I begin to take steps forward, trusting God in a situation, the Lord meets me there and grants the strength for me to do it. But it's not like, because I know Jesus, I'll have strength. (laughs) Oh no, he'll just give me strength. He says, no, no. I'll give you strength but I'll give you strength as you learn contentment. As you make your decisions. As you step forward. So don't just sit there and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. No, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That means as I do them, understanding I can do it with him, I'm being strengthened as I go. Amen? You'll learn it. You'll learn it. So a lot of people, we want this magic Christianity. <laughs> you know, Name it, claim it. Strength. Oh, there it is. Nope. 
he lets you go through something. He says, now we'll see if you put Jesus first. And if you do, he will strengthen you. Little by little, as you go. Amen? So important to understand that. That's trusting God. God is always the source of your supply. If ye, then being, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He is the source. The greatest need you really have is the Lord in the first place. Colossians 2.9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. My completeness is with the Lord. Not in your circumstances, not in your job, not in how much money you have or don't have. You can be complete right now if you trust Him. If you trust Him, He is your completeness. Amen? Let's move on. The believer ought to be seeking for things of God, not for things of the world. And the Lord will provide. He'll take care of you. First Timothy 6, verse 6, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. <laughs> Amen. So what he's saying here, this is what's gained to you. What's going to be gained to you is godliness. Godliness with contentment. What's godliness? That's living after God. That's having God influence your life constantly. That's why the Bible says, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. You got a lot of ungodly people that give you ungodly advice. <laughs> and he says, don't walk in that advice. See, because God is your strength. He is your source. And so if you truly want good advice, you have to get advice through the godly not the ungodly, amen? <clears throat> An ungodly person is someone that is not being influenced by God. A godly person is someone that is being influenced by God. And that influence is influencing them to do godly things. <laughs> and so what you do is you get advice from them <laughs> because they're being godly and they're being influenced by God <laughs> because God is their source, so it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If I go up to you today, hey, you guys want some great gain? <laughs> great gain? Great gain. Crypto? No. <laughs> I, make, I make fun of crypto. <laughs> you know, what do I got to do? Pyramid scheme? <laughs> no. Godliness. Oh. Oh. Godliness. <laughs> I remember one time there's this guy he, in my hometown and he, um, <laughs> he wanted a, a girlfriend real bad. He wasn't going to church. He was in this uh, development that I was working in. I knew him and he came to me one day. He started talking to me. I says, you, you should come to church. He says, well, well do they have, you got pretty girls there? <laughs> I says, you want a pretty girl? He says, yeah. I says, I can tell you how to get her. Really? His eyes just go, <laughs> this guy's desperate, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I said, yes. The Bible says, 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Oh. Oh. Godliness with contentment is great. Oh, godliness. I thought you were going to give me a secret to make more money. (laughs) Well, the Bible says you brought nothing into this world and you're certain you're not going to carry anything out. So it says, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. It says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So what does God say? He says, but thou, O man of God. He says, but you, don't be looking for riches that way. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says, I'm giving you the ticket. This is how you succeed. But you know what? We read that as Christians. Oh. Oh, that doesn't buy me my new truck. (laughs) You don't know what the Lord has for you if you would trust him. And I'll guarantee you this, everything you get through trusting God and following godliness, following uh, faith and righteousness will be a whole lot better and will last a lot longer than what you're going to get with that dirty rotten dollar. For the love of money is the root of of all evil. In fact, if you hear something going on in the world, all you got to ask is one question. Who's making the money? Whether it's vaccinations, COVID, I don't care. Just who's making the money? Let's go get that guy. <laughs> and that'll solve everything. You know what I mean? It's the love of money is a root of all evil. Key number four. Four, there are four steps that you need to learn to have contentment. First one is this, purge. Purge, repent of your complaining spirit. You know, throughout the Bible, he's telling the Israelites constantly not to murmur. In fact, in Philippians 2.14, in our text earlier on, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Our murmurings are because we're discontent. Our disputings are because we're discontent. And so he's do all things without it. 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, it says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. You know, they would never murmur out in the field or out in front of everybody or by the tabernacle. They would go to their tents. That's where they murmur. You know, when you murmur, it's when you go home. You don't do it here. In the church, you're going to be a good boy. <laughs> you're going to be a good girl. You're going to be a really good Christian here. But whether you're content or not is going to be revealed when you go sit around your table at home. That's where the murmur, 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 murmur about life. That's where the disputings, the murmurings. But the Bible tells you do all things without it. That means you don't need it. In fact, you're not going to be blessed in it. 
until you repent of it. So we need to purge. In fact, the Lord, simply because of murmuring, sent plagues, destroyed thousands of people. Just because people went and murmur, 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 you know, what's so bad about that? It's more damnable than a lot of things people call sin. It destroys you, it'll destroy your soul, it'll destroy your family. They'll learn to murmur like you. They'll never be happy. And when your kids aren't happy, they're going to make decisions out of an unhappy heart. Maybe love of money. And they're going to pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Amen. Don't let it happen. Get rid of the murmuring. No matter what kind of house you have, ladies, do the best you can with it. When you got your husband alone in the back room, then you say, Work a little harder, dear. <laughs> but that's where you deal with that. <laughs> but until then, you know what? I love what God's given us. Having food and raiment, learn to be content therewith. Amen? Um, yeah, here in Deuteronomy one twenty-seven, And ye murmured in your tents... And said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. God is so mean. <laughs> he, he went through all of that so he could bring you into the wilderness so he could just kill you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> These people did not know God. And many times we don't know God. We don't know God how much he wants to bless our life how he wants your family to flourish and be successful. How he wants them to have joy and peace and happiness. But it starts with somebody saying, you know what, let's pursue after godliness. It's great gain. Great gain. Amen? Purging, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my complaining spirit. I repent before you. Amen? Let it be his prayer. Prayer is giving your situations to, the God, to God. That's why it says in Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I always got to remind myself when I feel that I'm discontent or I feel that it's, I'm overwhelmed, I have to actually make an a, a asserted decision to take that and to give it to God. Lord, I give this problem to you right now because I cannot handle this anymore. I'm driving myself up the wall. I can't bear it. This load is too much. Amen? Prayer is something you need to get, get, get familiar with if you truly want to become content because that heart of discontentment will find its way into you. And the only way it's going to find its way out is if you bring it up. It's not going to be dispersed of this way. The world does not have a discontentment garbage can for you. <laughs> All they're going to do is keep increasing your discontentment. So as that comes into your heart, you have to give it up by prayer to God. Amen? Thank God in prayer for all he has done for you. And that he will continue to care for you, even though you don't deserve it. With thanksgiving, it says, Lord, I don't even deserve what I got. 
I don't know why I'm murmuring what I don't even deserve. Amen. I should be killed by the Amorites. You should have led me out here just to destroy me. <laughs> but you're not. Because you love us. So I'm just going to put this problem in your hands. Amen. Prayer. So important. Number three, ponder. Ponder. This is keeping your thinking right. <laughs> Think on the goodness of Christ. On Jesus. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I'll tell you, it'll change your life when you look at a situation and instead of looking at all the bad things about it, look at the good things about it. That person you hate so much, instead of looking at all the bad stuff, why you hate them, maybe look at why you should like them. See, your discontentment is because you got bitterness in your heart towards people. What you need to do is start looking on the other side because you just may be wrong in your perception of that person. And when you start adding up the true things and the honest things and the good things, also you're beginning to see a different person emerge. You can poison your thinking because you continue to think the wrong way about a person. Amen? Pondering. Whatsoever things are true that's conformable to a fact. Is that a fact? <laughs> well, it probably, well, probably is not fact. Unless you're in charge of the COVID thing. <laughs> Amen? Probably. <laughs> you understand? Probably is not fact. Whatsoever things are true. So whatsoever is not true or just probably is something I'm not going to think about. I'm just going to think of what I know as fact, what's conformable to the fact. Amen? That's only God telling you that. Honest. That's venerable, upright, fair in dealing with others, uh, free from trickiness and fraud. Amen? Think honestly. Whatever, whatever is honest. Don't think about the tricksters. And you know, sometimes we think, oh, I don't know how that person could do that. Good. Don't. Don't think about how they could do that. Just think about good things. <laughs> Amen. Have you ever caught yourself thinking, how in a person, how in the world could they do something like that? You ever done that? Said that? Thank the Lord that you can't identify with how a person could do that. And guess what? Don't try to figure it out. Just turn your mind away from it and think about the good things. <laughs> Amen. The honest things. Just. That means innocent, holy. <laughs> Pure, that means modest and perfect. Be careful your immodest thinking. Think about modest things. That's why you got to teach your kids, don't look at that. Move away from that. Amen? Don't be watching that. Fast forward that or turn that off. Don't be watching that. You understand? Keep your thinking right. Pure. Lovely, that means acceptable. Acceptable things. Good report, that means something that is well spoken of. So maybe you need to look at that person and say, well, what kind of good testimony do they have? Let's think about that. Let's think about what they've done for the Lord. <laughs> you know, what have they done for us? It's amazing. When you begin to think of what someone else has done for you, everything bad that you thought about them kind of disappears. Amen? Well, I'll tell you, the devil gets in your thinking. 
You know where that came from? Pondering. It came from pondering, and it came from you not praying and not purging. And if you don't purge and pray, your pondering's wrong, you're going to be pretty messed up in your thinking. You're not that good that you can keep your mind right. <laughs> you really can't. That's why the Bible says you got to keep your mind, your mind must be stayed on him. And you'll have perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. But the moment you get off of him, where's your peace? <laughs> murmur, murmur, murmur. <laughs> you know, murmur, murmur. That's the way we are. You say, aren't we pathetic? <laughs> we really are. As soon as we don't look at Jesus. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Peter gets off the boat. I'm going to come walk to you, Jesus. Looks at the waves. Boom. <laughs> Think about that. Save me. At least he learned how to pray. <laughs> Amen. Praise, if there be any praise. Commendation. Is there something I can commend that person or that, this situation for? Can I think of a commendation, not a cursing? Amen. Think on these things. Take an inventory. That's what, that's what thinking means. Thinking is taking an inventory with all those things, pure and lovely and good report and virtue and praise and truth, and start compiling your thought process about the situation and about the people that are in your life. And that way, you can have peace. No more murmur, 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 murmur. <laughs> Amen. No more. Because you know what? It's not so bad. You know? But you don't, let, you don't keep your eyes on Christ. All of a sudden, everything's bad. Terrible, terrible life. Bad. It's all bad. I remember one guy, <laughs> he would come to work. I'd ask him, how are things going? Garbage. <laughs> That's what he said. Garbage. I said, what? It can't be that bad. Every time, every time. How you doing, sir? Garbage. You know, one day he went to work. Garbage, garbage. Setting down a mobile home house. Put his head between the frame and the pier. And the house went, pow. His last day was garbage. You gonna live your life? Garbage, garbage, garbage. Murmur, 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 murmur. So God says, you don't like it? You don't like what I've given you? You're not content with what you have? Then come on up and we'll have a special lesson. Whew. You understand that? with the children of Israel over and over and over. You're discontent. The Bible says they were much discouraged because of the way. God, your way is just too hard. I want different things. I want this. I want that. He sent poisonous snakes into the camp. Thousands of them were bit and died. Murmur, 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 murmur. Your life's so bad, you can go through some tough things. I know that. But I know if you want to have, you want to have victory in that, you've got to change the way you handle it. You've got to perch. You've got to pray. You've got to ponder. And then 
you got to produce. Produce. Philippians 4.9 says this, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Do. A discontent person doesn't do. In fact, they used to serve the Lord. They used to do all kinds of things. They used to go here, used to do that. All of a sudden, I'm not doing it anymore. Why? Something happened up here. Something happened in here. A discontentment has hit my heart. And now, all I can think about is murmur, 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 murmur. Murmur, 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 Look at, oh, murmur, murmur. Kids, you like that? Murmur. Remember it. <laughs> Don't be catching yourself murmuring. Amen. Get your pondering right. Get your praying right. And then produce. Do it. Get back to doing. <laughs> Amen. Whatever you did before for the Lord, go back and do it again. And then say, Lord, I want to do some more. Because when your thinking's right, then your doing's right. If your doing's not right, it's because your thinking's not right. It's because your praying's not right. It's because you're murmuring. Amen? I remember we used to go soul, soul winning. And, you know, you learn. I learned how to talk to people at the door. I said stupid things sometimes. I had one guy. <laughs> he had such crazy ideas. I mean, he was very inventive, the way he'd reach out to people. But I, sometimes I, I wanted to stand about 20 feet away from him, you know? So he, his heart was in the right place. He really wanted to win souls, but he did it very in unorthodox ways. And one time, he, went, he saw this guy by this church, and he knew the church taught a false gospel. He runs up to him and says, you need to help me. <laughs> he says, what? What do you need? I need to know how to go to heaven. The guy looks at him. He didn't know what to say. He says, why can't you help me? Maybe you got to tell him the gospel. <laughs> you know? See, I can't do stuff like that. You know? <laughs> to me, I, I, just, I, I would not be able to do that. <laughs> you know, so we have people in the church that would see these kind of things. Oh, go to the pastor. Okay. You need to stop them from doing things like that. That's not the way to do things. You need to do it like that. Mur, 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 mur. Right? You know what those people were doing? Nothing. I'd rather have a person out there <laughs> trying to do something than someone murmuring all the time and doing nothing. Hey, I may not be perfect, but I'm going to keep producing for God. I'm going to keep working on this thing. I'm going to keep working on that thing. I want to do right. You can pick me apart. You can figure out all my weaknesses. Yep. I'll say, yep. <laughs> but you know what? I'll also say, I'm going to keep going anyways. But you don't realize the devil wants to keep, keep you. He wants to use you to stop others from doing. What purpose did this guy have? You need to talk to He wanted to discourage those that we're doing. 
But the Bible says, those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, as example, do. And the God of peace will be with you. Do you understand? Contentment. It's more than just making up, I'm going to be content now. No. There's a process here, and it needs to be maintained. You have to maintain contentment. It's a, it's a process of learning, and you've got to learn how to do it. You've got to learn how to give it to God, and then you've got to learn how to keep going and do the things that God wants you to do, even though sometimes in your heart you're discouraged. I, always tell, I told my boys yesterday, I said, boys, it's hard to go out and do door hangers. I said, I know what you're feeling. Oh, I said, I understand. There's probably not a time that I've gone soul winning, uh, putting on door hands where in my heart is, you know, eh, uh. But I also learned something else that I tell myself, but if I do this, I know by the end of the day, I'm going to have joy peace. I told my boys, I says, it's hard to go. I understand that. But when we come home, you're going to be happy. I'm helping you be happy. So sometimes you got to give them a little kick. (laughs) Give a little boop at the door. Oh, now my boys just, oh, we just really got nailed. (laughs) I'm not saying all of them all the time. You know what I mean, though, don't you? And even the preacher goes through that. Even the preacher. Oh, you know, I like to just sit at home tonight. <laughs> I'm tired. But you've learned. You've learned. You say, you know what? I know that I could sit at home and just kind of relax. But I bet you, if I do what God wants me to do tonight, when I get home later, I'm going to have a far better evening. Because the peace of God will be with me. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I don't know where you are today, Christian. This is a good message from the Lord. He gave us a good message from the Word of God. He wants us to have peace and happiness. He wants us to be content no matter what we're going through. And maybe, you know, even this morning, I know on Sunday mornings it's like, murmur, 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 murmur. I know what it's like. But maybe you need to say, you know, Lord, I'm tired of murmuring all the time. I don't want those snakes to bite me. I don't want my life to be set aside for you. I want to have joy. I want to have peace in my heart. Would you be willing to allow the Lord purge that this morning? Just go before him and confess it. Say, I'm a sinner, Lord, and I've just been murmuring. And then say, Lord, help me to change the way I think about this thing. Help me to think in the positive way about that person that I'm having a problem with or that situation that I'm having a problem with. Help me to change it. Let me go through this scripture again and learn what this really means to think the truth, to think honestly. Change your pondering. And Lord, I'm praying right now. I'm taking this thing, I'm just putting it in your hands because I can't carry this no more. It's just too heavy. It's taken too much from me. I want it gone. 
thank you for being there. Thank you for caring about me. Even though I've murmured, thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, help me to keep doing right. Lord, I'm going to commit myself this morning to do something for God. I'm going to do something for God. What is it? What is the Lord that's maybe laying on your heart today and he's telling you, I want you to get back to doing. And maybe you just need to give yourself to that and say, Lord, I commit myself to do what you've asked me to do so I can have the peace.